Pharisee, I preach the gospel. I follow the apostles, you follow Pentecostals. You're not reformed, so that's a risk. I believe the five points like an asterisk. I repent, but you're in sin still. I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill. All right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Solar Cast. It's your boy, Pastor Chris Hernandez, and I'm with my man, Jimmy De Los Santos. What's up, Jimmy? What's going on, brother? How you doing, Pastor Chris? Oh, man, doing well, man. Doing well. Just uh, excited to be here on another beautiful day, man. It is. It's gorgeous out there, man. It rained all, all night last night, though. I walked out this morning, man. There was a big huge just river going down my street yeah man uh, dallas don't know how to act man <laughs> rainy one day sunny the next yeah. rainy cold everything man yeah. that's why everybody's sick man you know yeah i think so you know it's funny because uh we got a at, at the job we have a, a ceo who uh you know he's from another state but he got a we had a town hall yesterday and he said uh, so somebody asked me what their prediction was for the weather uh this summer in texas and he said i don't know i just figured probably going to be hot and you know everybody started laughing at that because texas summers are historically very hot we get to the summer months and it's it's really hot out there so i know that uh it's it was interesting that he would say just you know it's hot and he's from another he's from another state he right. doesn't really you know get what we get yeah, right they don't understand us man <laughs> they don't understand us but man we're facebook living again i guess yes yeah. yeah we are so we we got a little flack last week right because we didn't leave it up we did the Facebook Live thing last week. We talked that, that we were going to not have it out there for days on end. Right. We would have it out there for one day just so people could see us you know, recording the podcast. And then the podcast, of course, drops to all its platforms on Tuesday morning. Right. Uh, but my sister, <laughs> she waited. She said, I saw it. And I thought I'd go back on Sunday morning and listen to it. Yeah. And it was gone. Yeah. And so she gave me a little, uh, a little bit of a hard time. Yeah. But it's going to continue that way. If you if right. you want to watch, you know, Facebook Live, you want to catch the podcast early, start watching it now because it'll be gone by Sunday morning. So, or I don't know how long you you wait until it's yeah. It's what we'll do what we'll do is we'll just we'll leave it up, and we don't know when we're going to record. Sometimes we'll record on Friday. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it'll be Saturday. Sometimes it'll be yeah. Sunday night. So we'll leave it up for about twenty four hours or so. Then we'll just take it back down. Yeah. You know? So so yeah, that last week uh, or, or this week we were actually supposed to record at eleven this morning, but. Um, Got a little hindered. Things uh, things were happening at my house, and so I had to beg off for a few hours. And so now it's, what, 2.25, and we barely started recording the podcast? Right. Yeah, it's kind of late, man. We'll get some lunch after this. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll be all right. We'll make it through. Yeah. Uh, things happen, right? Um, right? So this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about something that we kind of mention and throw out a lot. So uh, you had a question, right? Somebody right. brought up a question yeah. to you. Again, my sister. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to take it back. So my sister's asking a lot of questions. Uh, she, she's, you know, she's listening to SolarCast on her commutes to work. And she, she's noticed that we, that we use the phrase, you know, we use the term Reformed Baptist quite right. a bit. And she comes from the same charismatic circles that I came from when I was growing up. So, you know, she knows, she knows uh, about Pentecostalism. Right. So when I keep talking about Reform and me and you keep talking about Reformed Baptist, she comes with the question, what is a reform? What is a reform? What is a reform? We're just throwing it out there like everybody knows what that is, right? Yeah, so because we didn't know what it was at one time, right? Right. right. Yeah, so and that you bring up that that's a great point. Okay, so I didn't come to this understanding in one. You know, just, right. oh, I'm just going to go that way. Yeah. It took some time for me to get here, right? And and I hope you know people understand that it's not like it was a just a flighty decision. 
Right. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to go reform Baptist. Yeah. No, it took me some time and, and study and, and searching God's word as a Berean, just looking in, into the word of God before I said, you know what? This is right. Yeah. I think we kind of touched on it on our opening episode, especially when we talked about how we kind of came to where we're at today and uh, all the roads that led us there or to where we're right. at. So we kind of mentioned it, but we're gonna, what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to spend some time talking a little bit deeper about what it, what it means to be a Reformed Baptist or right. a particular Baptist. And I'm going to get into some some things here regarding that name, the usage of, of being Reformed and what right. the issues there. So I'll, we'll kind of touch on that as well. But let's just go ahead and start with, do you got maybe a, a concise, a simple definition of what it means to be a Reformed Baptist? Well, there was a Reformation. So right. we as Reformed uh, folk... Right. Hold to to what happened in the 16th, 17th century, uh, the Reformation that happened then. Now, as I was studying, I thought it was interesting that uh, that I come across this uh, this quote. The Reformation was about pressing beyond to that which is true and has always been true. This was not just pushback on Rome, uh, referring to the Roman Catholic Church, right? But a pushback to what is true, right? And, and so this is this is where we land. And we talked about the solas when we first started, right? We talked we talked about which solas. we needed. We're going to do a series on, yeah, yeah. So so sola scriptura was one of the things we first talked about. We want to hold to the truth that, that we find in the Word of God, and we believe that the reformers in the 16th and 17th century, right? They started looking at what was in the Bible and said, "Hey, wait a minute." And so they started that reformation. I, I don't. Again, we've talked about Martin Luther. He was a, a Catholic monk. He didn't want to not be Catholic. He he just wanted to reform the Catholic Church from within, but that didn't happen. Right. Uh, Rome wasn't having that. So he got pushed out. And so the Reformation began. And so as Reformed folk, we look back to the Reformation and we continue to reform. We, can, we continue to search the scriptures to see uh, that those things uh, are true. Right. And, and then we hold to those things. Right. And so that's a, on yeah. a basic on a basic level what I believe that uh, the reformed folk do. Yeah. That's basic though. I mean, yeah. there's more to it. Yeah, yeah, we we, we can kind of get into that. But I, I just let me go ahead and just make a, give you a simple explanation of what it means to be reformed Baptist. We're Baptist, okay? So yes. we baptize believers. We we baptize those who have made a public confession of faith, right? And being Baptist, so there's probably tons of Baptists, maybe your traditional Baptists and general Baptists out there uh, that understand what that means. Even yeah. Charismatics understand what Baptist means. Now, right. they got some weird views of what that means to be a Baptist. I know when I was in those circles, man, we thought Baptists were just people that didn't believe in the Holy Spirit and stuff like that, <laughs> right? So, yeah. Um, so you have a, a general understanding of what a Baptist is. That's what we are. We're Baptists. We baptize yeah. believers. We... Uh, we hold to the uh, independence of, of local congregations to govern their own churches and so forth, right? So that's what we mean to be a Baptist. But uh, going beyond that, what makes a Reformed Baptist different than a regular Baptist is we hold to a lot of the teachings that come out of the Protestant Reformation, right? right. So just as you mentioned, there was a, there was a Reformation. We've mentioned it before. There was a there was a Reformation when Martin Luther started in 1517. Started a, a Reformation to break away from the Roman Catholic Church. Now, let me stop there. A lot of people, especially if you're not familiar with church history, don't understand what actually happened with the Reformation, don't understand what went on. To them, they think that, hey, I'm a Pentecostal, and Pentecostalism has been going on for 2,000 years. Well, if you study church history, that is not true. Not, They'll say, I'm, a, I'm assemblies of God, or I'm, I'm this, or I'm that. No. What was going on was, for a long time throughout church history, Rome had a monopoly over the church. 
there were some other offshoots. I mean, you had Eastern Orthodoxy and so forth, but pretty much Rome had the monopoly. They had control over the Bible. They had control over what was going out, the way the Bible was being interpreted, the way the Bible was being taught, the way the Bible was uh, being uh, interpreted into different languages, everything, right. right? So Rome had a monopoly on that. So what happened in 1517 is Martin Luther came out and he, he nailed the uh, theses to the door, right? And the, the 99 theses to the door of the Church of Wittenberg. And this started a, a, revo- a revolution, if you will, what we yeah. call the Reformation. People started to protest the teachings that were coming from Rome. So you may be out there and you may have heard of the word Protestant. You probably call yourself a Protestant. The reason you call yourself a Protestant is because you're not Catholic. You come from the tradition of protesting the teachings that come from the Roman Catholic Church, right? So we're right. all on the same page here. You, If you're an Assembly of God, if you're a General Baptist, if you're a Pentecostal, you are not Catholic, you are Protestant. And what are you protesting? You're protesting the teachings that come from the Church of Rome, right? Yeah, so. Yeah. That's what we mean when we say we are Reformed Baptists. We come from that era. Now, we as Reformed Baptists, we trace our teachings a little deeper than some of the other uh, denominations out there that we come from. Pentecostalism, again, Assemblies of God, non-denominational churches, Bible churches. These churches out there have kind of formulated their teachings a little later than where we would go to, right? So we would go to, again, back to the Reformation, like you said, back to the solas, the sola scriptura, sola dia gloria, all the five solas that most people from the Reformation held to, we also hold to. Now, what distinguishes us from some of the other ones that came out of that is our belief in believers' baptism, for instance, our belief in church governance, the way the church should govern their own local congregations, right? So uh, just to give you a a quick background, I'm going a little long here, but just to give you a quick background and, and some history. So as the church began to protest the teachings and ha- as you started seeing other offshoots of uh, the Protestant Reformation come about, you had your, your paedo-baptists, which means these believers that baptized their babies and so forth. And most of the, the reformers were paedo-baptists, are paedo-baptists to this day. I mean, a lot of the books me and you love to read, they're, they're right. paedo-baptists. They baptize baby. They believe in a uh, more Presbyterian church governance, right? right? They, they believe in their church being governed by a body of elders, we believe that our church is governed by, Baptist churches are governed by their own membership, by yeah. congregants, right, by their own congregation. So what happened was, as the, the Reformation was going on in the uh, in the 17th century and so forth, there was a group of people that read their Bibles and said, you know what, this is, this is not adding up here. You know, I don't, I don't believe we should be baptizing our babies. I think baptism should be for professing believers, as we see in the Scriptures, as me and you see in the Scriptures, right, right? as right. most of our, our friends see in the Scriptures. So... What they started doing, and it was a small group, mind you, it was a small group. What they started doing is they started forming their own their own views. And they came to a point where they wanted to write their own confession that distinguished them from a lot of the other believers out there that were there at the time. So, yeah, again, you had your uh, more Episcopalian form of government. You had the Church of England, which was, which was huge, and they kind of had a, their own little monopoly, if you will, on a lot of these churches. And the, the particular Baptists, I'm going to say particular Reformed Baptists, kind of I'm going to use those in the same— in the same way, right? So 
the the particular Baptists, what they started doing is they started saying, well, you know, a lot of this, this isn't right. I don't see this lining up with the scripture and the Bible that way I'm interpreting it. So they came to a point where they said, let's write our own confession. So in 1644, they wrote a confession, their first confession as particular Baptists. They wanted to distinguish themselves from the uh, other reform groups out there. There was also some other Baptists coming about, General Baptists, which at this time, Jacobus Arminius, which we have mentioned before, he started bringing his own teaching. Uh, Arminianism. You got to understand, out of the Reformation came a huge belief in the sovereignty of God over what we would call Calvinistic teachings and what we would say predestination. God chose us, we didn't choose him. We've talked about that before. If you listen right. to that podcast, if you haven't, go back and check out the uh, podcast on Calvinism. Calvinism right? yes. Go listen to that. We, we've talked about that before. During this time, most of the Reformers held to what we would call Calvinism, predestination, doctrine of election, right? Okay. So you had this this guy named Jacobus Arminius come in and started teaching a new way, a different way, Arminianism. So a lot of the Baptists, as they were kind of forming their own views, they started following the teachings of Jacobus Arminius. So they became Arminians. So again, you had these particular Baptists who said, no, 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 this is not right. Let's get together. Let's write our own confession that distinguishes us not only from the Pado-Baptists, but this, that distinguishes us from the general Baptists because we're not Armenians and we don't baptize babies. We need to have our own confession. So they got together again in 1644, came up with a confession that wasn't as, that was a little bit more concise. It wasn't as detailed as the one that is to come later. So then after that, you had other other people come and write their confessions. We have the Westminster Confession. We have the Savoy Declarations. You had the Pado baptists come and write their own confessions to, again, counter this Arminianism that was coming in, that was coming into the churches. So during that time in 1677, the particular Baptists got together again, the Reformed Baptists got together again, and they wanted to write a more detailed confession. Because they had one in 1644, but they wanted to come together and write a more detailed one that distinguishes them who, from who they were. Now, I will say, they got a lot from the Westminster Confession. We get a lot of flack from our Pedal Baptist brothers because they say we <laughs> copied them, right? Yeah. I, I will gladly concede that, yes, it is copied a lot from the other confessions. But they wanted to, distinguish, again, distinguish themselves from that. So in 1677, they wrote what today is we know as the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. We've referenced it time and yeah. time. And time Time again, on our, on our podcast, right? So they came together in 1677, wrote their own confession. The reason it wasn't published, because you got to understand, this was a time when the Church of England, along with a lot of the other Pado-Baptists out there, considered particular Baptists heretics because they were they were they're wow. deviating from the faith. So they were being persecuted. Uh, you had particular Baptists being persecuted for their faith during this time because they wanted to write their own confession. People were believing these were heretics. They were kind of going off and so forth. So this was a different time than what we understand yeah. now. I mean, they, right. they held heretics as, as pretty bad dudes back then, right? So it's not like right now we call someone a heretic and someone says, oh, you're being divisive. Back then they called someone a heretic. They wanted to kill them. Okay, so well, they did. They burned yeah, them at the burned stake. Them at the yeah. stake. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so it was so a different time. It was a different time. So the 1677 really couldn't be made public, if you will, until a decree was was made uh, in 1689, where uh, they kind of kind of loosened the, the restraints, if you will. Right. The Church of England loosened the restraints on who can establish their own churches. So that's when the 1689 or the 1677 confession that was written was finally published in 1689. So again, that's where we have the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. Uh, some of the signers on that are, are people that we read today, read from today. You had Benjamin Keat. 
teach, which we, every Sunday, we read from his uh, his catechism at our church. Uh, you had Hercules Collins, which we teach from every Wednesday, yeah. the Orthodox, the uh, Orthodox catechism, catechism, right? right. Uh, you had uh, William Kiffin. So you had some of these guys that, that were signers of the 1689 that we still read today. So I just wanted to just kind of mention that because I wanted to show you that we have a history. That is the stream. When we talk about Reformed right. Baptists, that is the stream where we come from. We trace our roots all the way back to the time of the Reformation. Uh, some will say, oh, you guys uh, are just Baptists that are borrowing from paedo-baptism or borrowing from teachings and this and that. No, we, ha- we have history. We-, we come from a lineage that comes from the Protestant Reformation. That's why we feel comfortable calling ourselves Reformed Baptists because we come from that stream. Now, there are those paedo-baptists that, that want to give us pushback and say, you cannot use the that name Reformed because to truly be Reformed is to truly hold to the teachings that came out of the Reformation that came from John Calvin and uh, John Knox and so forth, and they baptized babies and they held to a different form of church government. So we can't be reformed. I push back and say, no, we have a history. We were there around the time fighting for the faith, contending for the faith, fighting for what we believe in. Now, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Christ, of Jesus Christ. Right. I don't right. want to be caught up in titles. If you want to make this an issue to be divisive over the faith, I'll gladly concede being a Reformed Baptist. Or I'll gladly concede any other title right. than to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I think you bring up a good point. I, we're not here saying there's a schism, right? Right. Between uh, brothers, uh, we, we know uh, some Pado baptists some Presbyterian brothers, and they're brothers. They're brothers in Christ. Uh, even when you talk about traditional Baptists or general Baptists, uh, along with Reformed Baptists, we're not saying they're not uh, brothers in Christ. Uh, it's just that what we do is we go a little deeper and hold to the to the Reformers and what they taught. Uh, some of the things that when I was studying, it's, it's I, I want to look at, I want to look at what's true. Right. And this is why I come to this place. When you talk about baptism in general, let's just talk about baptism, the immersion thing. So the Pado-Baptists sprinkle their babies, right? right? And this is also something that is done in Rome. Exactly. It's done in the Roman Catholic Church. So some reforms were made uh, in the area of, hey, uh, you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and, and that's it, in him alone, uh, where Rome would say uh, you're saved by grace and faith, but you also have to you know, do some works in there. You have to, you have to stay in it. And, um, of course, we, we believe in the perseverance of the saints, but it's not the same thing as you're working towards your salvation. We don't believe that. And if we reform in those areas, wouldn't we look also to that Pado Baptist thing where we would baptize everybody? We believe in credo baptism, right? Which is an, uh, you know, and there's modes, you know, mm-hmm. the sprinkling or the full immersion. Right. Um, so as Baptists, we look at the we look at the the Bible, what the Bible teaches uh, to us. It looks like you know. John the Baptist is in is in the is in the lake and right. people are coming in and right. they're getting fully immersed and, exactly. and he's baptizing. We look to that and we say, "Wow, that's that's the what what it looks like in Scripture," and that's what we hold to. You also talked about confession, the confession, the sixteen eighty nine confession. When you talk about that, there's there's a lot that we know. General Baptist, traditional Baptist, that would say we we don't we don't have a confession. Right. Only the only creed we have is the Bible. No creed but the Bible. No creed right. but the Bible. And so when we look at that. We all, all the time, we say this, uh, even in Sunday mornings when we're about to do uh, the Apostles' Creed, because we recite the Apostles' Creed together as part of our worship. This is what we believe. We summarize it. Those are all taken from Scripture, exactly. but, but summarized in a way that's easily understandable. And, and nobody can go to the Apostles' Creed and read down the Apostles' Creed and say, well, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. Right. No, it's all true. 
uh, it's just not found in that way in the Bible. And so you have some people that, so we hold to these confessions, we hold to these creeds because they, they summarize our faith, they help us to understand our faith uh, in a better way. And there are some, you know, Baptists out there that would say, we don't hold to any kind of creeds or confessions. Right. Yet it's funny because there is, uh, we, we talked about yeah. this earlier, there's a line that's drawn with even, you know, general Baptist, traditional Baptist that would say, <coughs> yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't cross that line. And it's, it's funny because I remember we talked about, uh, I think during the same sex attraction uh, episode about that church that I accidentally drove into that said open and affirming. Right. And uh, we talked about how that, you know, that kind of goes to the, you know, hey, it doesn't matter about your sexual orientation. You can come to this church. Um, but I, I bet they draw a line at, 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 uh, at pedophiles. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, at some point they'd say, wait a minute, hold on. Yeah. Uh, you know, if somebody came in and said, Hey, uh, you said you're open and affirming and, uh, I'm here to tell you that I'm a practicing pedophile. They would say, uh, no, hold on yeah. a second. There's a line that's drawn. So right. there's, there's a, there's a creed, there's a confession. And that's the thing. Like we mentioned before, everyone has some sort of confession, you know? Yeah. Whatever church you go to, who's ever out there listening to us, if we've already confused you already. I want you to kind of take a step back and think about this for a second. Think about your church. Your church has a statement of faith. They might not call it a confession. They'll probably call it a statement of faith or a core beliefs or what we believe. That is your confession. That means that is what you hold to. Those like I like the word you use. That's where we draw the line. We draw the line at these at these points. This is what we believe. Everybody has a confession. Everybody has a history. And that's the thing. The little flack that I've got from people that have come from my circles, the circles that I used to come from, being a non-denomination and so forth, they like to say, even non-denomination, you have a history. They like to think that Reformed Baptists or being Reformed is something that was kind of made up. No, even if you're non-denominational, you have some teachings that come from somewhere. Everybody has uh, presuppositions. Everybody has baggage. The way you view scripture, right? But no, nobody just just got enlightened and started. Pick, I mean, there's some that pick up a Bible and and you know God through the Spirit can teach you you know a lot. But everybody has some way of how they're shaped. I mean, who taught you that baptism was for believers? Who taught you this? You've been taught from somewhere. Everybody has a history. Every denomination has a history. We would say our history as Reformed Baptists actually goes back farther than most of the other denominations right. out there, even right. longer than non-denominationalism. Guess what? There was nobody non-denominational after the Reformation, <laughs> right? There right. were no Assemblies of God. There were no Pentecostals, okay? If you want to say, oh, my tradition goes all the way back to the Apostles, you're not going to find a lineage there. You know, right. you, you came from somewhere. Guess what? If you, if you want to reject the teachings that come out of the Protestant Reformation and you want to say that, you know, we don't come from that stream, the only other option is Catholicism. <laughs> you know I mean? right. That's the only other right. option. Either yeah. you come from the Reformation or you come from Catholicism. Either you're a Protestant or you're not. Right. Right. The only difference is that if you're sitting there listening to us and you go to a Bible church, you go to a Pentecostal church, you go to Assemblies of God church, or you go to a non-denominational church— the beliefs that your church holds to actually come later than the beliefs that we hold to, than the beliefs that Reformed Baptists hold to. Yeah, we've okay. talked about that before. The Azusa Street Revival exactly. was, was really where Pentecostalism was born, and that exactly. was in the— what the turn like of the century, 1901, yeah, yeah. right around there. Yeah. And so the history of the Pentecostal church is really, uh, what, 120 years old? 
You know, yeah, not yeah. not even that. You know, uh, so we're talking centuries here of right. of history that we have behind us exactly. that actually make us Protestant. Exactly. And so I, I think there's a lot of people. I've even heard someone say, you know, what are we processing now? Well, we're still yeah, there's a lot <laughs> to protest. There's still a lot to yeah. protest. We still look at 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 the things that are done uh, in that traditional old you know Catholic way. Right. And and I would say even the Catholics have have done some different things. I remember uh, when I was a kid, I, I attended a Catholic mass once, and it was all in Latin. And I was like, "How do you get anything out of this church when it was all done in Latin?" They've changed that, and they actually do their masses now in, in English, and they have more like sermons uh, than than what it used to be. Right. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what a Latin mass was or what they were saying when they were up there, but uh, and how you got built up in that type of church. I, I don't, I don't, I didn't understand. And it's funny because I was, as I was going, there was quotes that I, that I kept finding that I, that I would take down and, and say, as you were talking, I said, this is, this is one that's good. The church is comprised of believers, right? But for others, it's believers and their children. Hmm. And so when I, when I saw that, that's, that's true. That's a distinctive that right. we have as Reformed Baptists. Right. We believe in uh, credo baptism, yeah, uh, and so that's that's a big distinctive. But, in the, yeah, let's talk about that. So, Jimmy, so somebody will say out there, okay, you guys have touched on the history. You show me that there is a history with you guys. Uh, okay. There is a history with uh, Reformed Baptists. Okay, I get that. But what makes you guys different than us? I'm a Baptist. Let's say somebody's sitting out there and saying, I'm a Baptist. What makes you as a Reformed Baptist different than us? Or let's say somebody's out there saying, I'm Assemblies of God. What makes a Reformed Baptist different than me? Than the Baptist, than the traditional traditional Baptist? general Baptist or okay, somebody so God or whatever. In yeah. in that area, I would say Calvinism. Right, right. Uh, that's that's a big one. We hold to confessions where they would not hold to confessions, and I think where we stay in the same path is the believers' baptism. If it's a Baptist person, right, uh, even a, Assemblies of God believe in believers' baptism. Uh, but when it comes to Congregationalism. I think the the traditional Baptists hold to autonomy of of the church, also the church government within the local body, right? Uh, which is what we hold to. Also, we hold to church government within the local body. So, with a traditional Baptist, I think I think uh, for the traditional Baptists and general Baptists, it's really Calvinism right. is is a big you know right place. It's I, I don't want to call it a schism because they're still brothers in that church, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and so that's not. It's just we we part ways when it comes to. Uh, what we believe about the um, the doctrines of grace, right? Right. I think also when it comes to assemblies of God, there's a big, uh, it's a bigger difference. There's a bigger yeah. difference. Uh, Calvin uh, would be a, a distinctive away from a lot of assemblies of God because you you've got really a, an Arminian mindset over there, right. but you've also got uh, the whole leaning on the Holy Spirit for just right. about everything. There's an exaltation right. of the Holy Spirit that happens within Pentecostal charismatic churches that that uh, we believe the Holy Spirit was sent by God to be a comforter, to be a teacher, to convict us of our sins and and to and to lead us in the path to Christ. Right. Um but the assemblies of God the, the Pentecostal charismatic churches might might go a little further with the Holy Spirit as he's he's doing Different things above and beyond what the Bible, what the Bible <laughs> yeah. actually prescribes or actually says that the, right. the Holy Spirit will do. And so, when somebody is laid out on the floor, shaking and writhing around, a lot right. of times, yeah. uh, someone will, will attribute that in a Pentecostal, maybe a Charismatic church, uh, to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, when I see that, I think I'm not sure of that. Right. right. So, yeah, I think it was last year. I had wrote a blog, and I'm going to link this in the show notes. I had wrote a blog about. I think it was titled Reformed Baptist for Beginners, right? So, and in that, I wanted to 
I wanted to explain what a Reformed Baptist was because I felt that, again, a lot of people have never heard of that word. And if you've never heard of a word, I mean, let's be honest, brother. I mean, you probably think these guys are joining a cult or something, right? So, <laughs> and it's funny because, again, like I talk about, we have a longer history than them. It's just, it's culture, man. I mean, you grow yeah. up you grow up in that Pentecostal culture or that Assembly of God culture. They don't teach you anything other than their own little circle, right? They don't right. teach you any church history or anything like that. So yeah. you, you hear something like that, it's just like, whoa, okay. I mean... And, and again, our broader evangelical uh, landscape in America don't talk a lot about it either, right? They're just they're just kind of really uh, simplistic about things, about doctrine and so forth. They don't get deep into doctrine. It's real simple. It's real uh, real vague. You know, there's not a lot of going into church history and so forth. So again, I wrote it because I wanted to explain what a Reformed Baptist was. And in it, I, I had some distinctives, and, and we can kind of just touch on these as we go along. Sure. Now, first, again, like you mentioned, probably the biggest distinction that separates us from not only other general Baptists, but other denominations, uh, is Calvinism, right? Right. So if someone's listening to this episode for the first time and they've never listened to Calvinism, briefly just tell me what Calvinism is. We were chosen by God before the foundation of the world. We are his elect. He chose us not because of anything that I had. There's nothing in me that where he, it's unconditional election. He looks at me and says, there's nothing special. But I I choose him, right? This is a, another doctrine of grace. I always say that I I just don't see why he chose me. Right. It, it humbles me to think that he that that he would choose me. We believe in um, the fact that uh, Christ died for a particular set of people, and um, where that's the big contentious one right there is is just to say that uh, Christ died for everyone in the whole world. Right. We Limited would say atonement, yeah. we we would we would say he died for a particular set of people his elect uh, his elect exactly his church right and uh so we also hold to irresistible grace and and the perseverance of the saints the irresistible grace is uh you know our desire before we come to know christ is selfish inward inward focused um we we have no leanings toward god we're not even seeking god we 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 don't look for, we don't even have the ability to search for him until god changes the desires of our hearts and draws us unto himself that's irresistible grace but it's not like some people would say that well that you're a robot i'm not right. i'm not a robot um i'm i'm so grateful to god i'm humbled by the fact that he would change my the desires right. of my heart and 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 turn my heart towards him yeah. um he did everything uh, i think the big distinction that we want to make in calvinism is that God gets all the glory. Right. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we exalt him to the place where he deserves to be exalted to right. and say that you deserve it all. You deserve all the glory. I did nothing to earn my salvation. Uh, as a matter of fact, salvation I, is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. And the only thing that I brought to my salvation was the sin that made it necessary. Right. Other than that, I would say to God be the glory. All glory belongs to him. Soli Deo Gloria. Yeah. Yeah. Soli Deo Gloria. Now, we're not Calvinists because we follow blindly somebody named John Calvin. No. Okay. <laughs> and in I've fact, heard that before. You I, know, you, you guys know, are just followers like a cult. You're just following a man. You know, right. I. it's funny because uh, when we talk about that, I, I don't think that I was even uh, reading that much Calvin before uh, I, I, you know, it was a book that you told me to read. Right. What is Reformed Theology? When I read it, I was like, I believe all that just from the reading of the scripture, right. right? It's true. It's in there. And there's so many different verses. And the more that I set my mind to it, the more that I, the more I started thinking this way, I, I, I couldn't help but see it in scripture. 
in, in the simplest kind of verses too, in the simplest kind of, when you read, and we, we did this the other night when we were doing Bible study, but Genesis 3.21, and the Lord God made coats of skin for Adam and his wife. You see, something had to die so that Adam and Eve could be clothed. In the same way, Christ died so that we, be, we could be clothed in righteousness. But it was the Lord that did it. It was the Lord God that made coats of skin to, to cover Adam and his wife. In that, I know that an Armenian wouldn't see the Calvinism in that verse, but I do. And when I also look at husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that's a particular, the church that he gave himself for. Right. Not, not those outside the church. He gave himself for the church. Right. And to me, when I read that verse, I see the elect. I see right. the church. And so, uh, yeah, and again, John Calvin was just someone that kind of systematized that in in writing. Right? Exactly. That's all he did. Exactly. They, he just took scripture and systematized it in writing. Right. Yeah. We have a name for the London Baptist Confession. We're not saying that's the Bible. We don't follow it blindly. Right. London Baptist Confession is just taking from Scripture and putting it down yeah. in a systematized way. That's all yeah. John Calvin did. He read the Bible. He wrote it down in a systematized way, yeah. and we see that, right? So yeah. that's what Calvinism is. not we, like we yeah. blindly follow somebody out there. The London Baptist Confession of Faith also gives its proof text right exactly. there. So you can, as you're reading a paragraph, you're, you're able to go to the Scripture where we, where we grab that information and say, here's, here's what it is. You know, I, I don't know any, like, deep theologians— that don't have a systematic theology sitting on their right. on their shelf, right. and, and so systematizing uh, you know a, a certain subject out of the Bible has been done over and over and over again. Uh, you know, you've got some systematic theologies here on your right. shelf. Right. I do too. I yeah. have a lot of them, and so I, I like to read those, learn about different subjects. But this is one in particular when it comes to Calvinism that I look at and I think that's scriptural. Yeah. And I know that there's a lot of people that want to explain things to us, but I tell you what, I've, I've talked to some before that you got to jump through hoops to make their point. Right. Uh, when I think it's pretty clear in Scripture, there's not a, there's not a lot of having to jump around to, right. to, to try to prove it. Let me touch on another distinctive here, and this one's called covenant theology. Right, so this now this one here distinguishes a, a Reformed Baptist or a particular Baptist not only from General Baptist. Not only from many other non-denominational churches or Assembly of God churches, this one here actually distinguishes us from Calvinistic Baptists, if you will. So right. you have some Calvinistic Baptists that are great guys, and we read from them and we love yeah. them. Uh, John Piper, John MacArthur, or some of these guys. A lot of guys that are new to Reformed theology, I know me, for instance, when I first came into Reformed theology, I considered those guys Reformed. Because they were Calvinists, right? So I said, okay, John Piper's Reformed, John MacArthur's Reformed, and that, and so forth. Until I kind of studied a little bit more, I realized that this was kind of the breaking thing here, that breaking point yeah. that, that, that kind of distinguishes them from, from the truly Reformed particular Baptists is covenant theology. So a lot of churches read the scriptures and see God working in dispensations. So God worked with the people of Israel at one time, and he worked in the New Covenant with New Testament believers a different way. So he worked with people different ways in different times. As Reformed Baptists, what we see is that God works through covenants. And this is how our fellow Pado baptist brothers also see God working with man. Right. But we have a different form of covenant theology than they do. And uh, we're not going to get into that now. That's going to take a whole—I want to touch on that. I actually want to devote a, an episode to covenant theology. We'll kind of distinguish us yeah. from the Pado baptist But just very briefly, we just feel that God works— 
uh, with man through different covenants. Now, there are even some Calvinistic uh, Baptists. I think, uh, I want to say maybe even Piper and Chandler do believe in a form of covenant theology, but not necessarily the way that uh, the Reformed particular Baptists believe in it. Yeah. So, so uh, at the village, I know that they taught um, they taught a class that I went through. Right. And in that, they taught they taught about the covenants. Covenant, yeah. So, yeah, so they showed us a lot of the different covenants that, that we went through. Yeah. Um, I, I think they have, uh, I want to say, and I, I may be wrong, uh, but just judging by some of the teachings that I hear, I think they're more a new, what's called new covenant theology. It doesn't go back to, again, a 1689 and so forth. It's just a different form, a different breed of, of covenant theology. It's not, it's not a, what we would call 1689 federal headship covenant theology. Okay. Right? So again, that's a lot, a lot of stuff. I don't want that's to get anybody confused. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. But this is a distinguish of being reformed. We, we hold to covenant theology. We're not dispensationalism. And let me just bring out one big one. I know we got to move on. But one big difference is that we believe that the people of Israel and Christians now are one people. We believe and we see that that there has always been one church. In the Old Testament, it was God's chosen people and the people of Israel. In the New Testament, it is God's chosen people, the elect who believe in Jesus Christ, whether they be Israelites or Gentiles, whatever it is. There's always been one people of God. There's no two different streams. God's going to work with the Israelites one way or God's going to work with Christian, Gentile Christians another way. We believe that it all comes together as one body in Christ, right? Again, there's a lot there. I don't want to get anybody confused, but that is our distinction. So in other words... We're not going to be promoting any John Hagee Blue Moon uh, books anytime soon, right? <laughs> you mean or, the, the, was the Red Moon Rising? What right. Or I, Left Behind or anything like that. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, another one, another distinction, uh, the relative principle of worship. You want to touch on that briefly? Because you yeah. can go back to an episode and listen yeah. to the whole thing. Yeah. We had two episodes yeah. on that. And really, basically, it's a, we hold to uh, how worship is to be is to be done is prescribed for us in scripture. Right. We go to the scripture and we say, what? We're not going to add to that. We're not going to make it entertainment oriented. Right. We, we, you know, that you can have worship that you enjoy, but it doesn't need to be entertainment worship uh, oriented. We don't need to go to, uh, you know, constructing basketball courts in our in our in our churches and and playing, you know, and shooting three pointers while we're there. I would say this. It's it's important for us to, to hold to what God tells us, you know, sing psalms, spiritual, spiritual songs. Uh, it's for the edification of the body. We use our gifts in the church, uh, holding to what scripture tells us worship is so that we might be built up in Christ. Right. And, and this is important. What church is all about is, is worship. We go to worship, but we're built up while we're there. It's a, there's a, there's a, that regular principle of worship, uh, is distinctive from others. We don't want to veer away from that. You see churches that are veering away from it all the time. Yeah, anything goes. Yeah, anything goes. Right. It's a man-centered, hey, this is how yeah. we want to do it. Yeah. You know, long, If you have any type of talent, just use it yeah. to glorify God in the Sunday service, yeah. whether that be a laser show, light show, yeah. smoke machine, fog, fog machines, machines yeah. whatever. Just glorify God in that. <laughs> That's our distinction. We don't yeah. believe that. We, we don't we, yeah, we yeah, believe we, don't. we worship the way the Bible tells us to worship. Right, right. and uh, it's, it's very good. <laughs> I think it's – I enjoy yeah. our worship services. I love, you know, the catechism part of our, our, our worship service. I love the reading of the Psalms and going through it and, and all the scripture reading that goes on. Uh, you see there's a difference. Between, you know, you, you go to some of these churches to be entertained, grab a cup of coffee in the lobby, come sit down and just enter, enjoy the show. No, I, I want to be built up in Christ. And so that's what that's what makes it uh, just very distinctive for me. I've grown to love the way our worship service goes. You know, the, I don't want to call it formality of it all, but we do. We follow a... a um, a liturgy. So we go down and we know exactly what's going to happen. And we hold this dear. 
we hold right. this dear. Uh, so I, I would say if you're going to church, you know, to be entertained, uh, there might be a problem that, yeah. you know, with that. We hold to the regular principle of worship for a reason. Right. Very quickly before we close, I'm going to touch on these next two very quickly. Then I want to touch on this other one here. Uh, confessionalism. We Again, we've already touched on that. That's another distinction yeah. of uh, Reformed Baptists. We hold to a confession. So we go back and we say, this is our confession. This is what we prescribe to. We don't make up our own. You know, we hold to. Now, at Ecclesia, being that we're also part of the Southern Baptist Convention, we hold to a couple of, of confessions. We hold to the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 because we're part of the, the Southern Baptist Convention. So, uh, again, that, if you go back and look at the Baptist Faith and Message, it's, it's, it's a very great statement of faith. It just doesn't go as detailed as we would, we would like to, as our convictions would take us. So that's right. why we also hold to other confessions. Now, we go back to the 1689. Again, we, on this show, we always reference it. There are other Baptist confessions that we hold to as well. We hold to the Philadelphia, and also at, ch- at our church, we ask our members to hold to the New Hampshire Baptist Confession of Faith, which is right. a, a smaller, more concise version of the 1689. So again, that's just what it means to be a Reformed Baptist. We, yeah. we hold to a statement of faith that goes back to one from church history. We didn't make up our own. We, we're not trying to be cute or anything like that. We, yeah. do, we go back and we say, this is what we believe. Yeah, right. there is a lot of churches that will try to be cute with yeah, the statement yeah. of faith. I know that's what I threw uh, that in. Uh, yeah. It's it's funny, yeah. uh, but I did uh, when I you know first started coming to Ecclesia. I went to ecclesiachurch.org mm-hmm. and I pulled a statement of faith, yeah. and I, I read through the whole thing. I was like, Man, "This is good. Yeah. Um, it's good that we hold to something like that. It's good that we that we when we read we ex- we know what we believe, right. right? And so this is important. There's a lot of churches out there that would throw a cutesy kind of thing out yeah. there. You know, we believe." Uh, God, the Bible, and yeah, I get. Here's where we, where we can go to scripture. Uh, you know, Jude chapter three, verse one, where we read, uh, "Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints." So when we talk about confessionalism and why we hold to confession, because the confession, again, we've, we've said it, I think, a couple of times already on this episode, the confession just summarizes scripture for us. So we go back and we go to read a confession that summarizes what we believe to be true from the Word of God. And we take it serious. We're not being loosey-goosey. We're not you know, playing with it or messing with it in any way. We take it serious. So the confession brings the Word of God to a level where we can understand it, and we contend for it. We say, this is what we believe. If somebody errs or drifts, one thing I like to say about the confessions and what they do is they're like guardrails to me. If you ever notice some of these churches that kind of maybe went liberal or uh, changed this or changed that, a lot of times they don't hold to any type of strong confession. And that's what the confession does. It says, these are the rails. You can't go beyond that. You can't be cute or be creative and try to change things from Scripture. The confession is going to hold you accountable to Scripture is what it does. It holds you accountable to the Word of God. Exactly. Don't go too far. This is what the Word of God says. Don't try to make things up. Don't try to add things. Don't try to take things away. This is what the Word of God says. And I think that goes back to Jude 3. We're contending for the faith when we right. hold to confessionalism. So that being said, I'm going to read something out of the London Baptist Confession. This is chapter 28, paragraph 4. This is what it says. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church in whom, by the appointment of the Father, all power for the calling, institution, order of government of the church is invested in a supreme and sovereign manner. Neither can the Pope of Rome in any sense be head thereof, but is that Antichrist, that man of sin and son of perdition that exalteth himself in the church against Christ and all that is called God, 
whom the Lord shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So there's just something threw a bomb out there. <laughs> the Antichrist. Huh? So so you know it's 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 interesting. I I I picked that one because of the the Pope of Rome. Of course, we go back again. Why are you Protestant? Because you're right. protesting. Why is it because of the Roman Catholic Church? We have a history here. Um, this is why we hold to to the Reformation. And you know, it's, it's funny when I you know I've been studying for years. History stuff is is really something about the Church. I you know I put this out there. I bet a lot of people out there don't know who Ulrich Zwingli is. Right. Right. But we do. Right. Right. Because we hold to the Reformation. We we see his contribution. John Knox. Yeah. Right. We we hold to, to the Reformers. We go back and look at to see what they taught us. We are not like making this up right here. Exactly. We we stand on the yeah. shoulders of those that came before us because they have something to teach us. Right. And so reading the, the Puritans, reading the Reformers uh, is, is something that we would we would tell people, hey, go read this. Go read John yeah. Owen. Go go read some of these guys that uh, uh, Baxter. You know who didn't hold to a confession? Who's that? Joseph Smith. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. He what he's the angel Moroni out right. out, out yeah. the force. Yeah. I'm going to read First uh, Corinthians 15:1. Uh, listen to this. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast. To the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, that what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. I read that because this is important. The reformers were trying to hold a scripture. They were going back to scripture and saying, this is what it teaches. And so we are basically doing the same thing as reformed Baptists. We want to go back to the reformers, see what they taught, but also go go to right. scripture to to prove it out. Yeah. And so this is why we hold to what we hold to because we believe it to be true. Right. It's exactly. in the scriptures. Exactly. Uh, very briefly, we've touched already on this on our church form of government. That's what makes us Reformed Baptist. We don't uh, hold to any type of Episcopalian or Presbyterian form of church government. That means that we're governed by our own local body. Uh, at Ecclesia, whatever decision we make, it is decision of the local body that, that, that makes it, right? The pastor doesn't make it on his own. Uh, nobody outside of our church has the authority to come and say, well, you guys need to start doing this or you need to start doing that. No, that is solely uh, left in the in the hands of the believers. And we see that, to me, if you go to Matthew 18, the keys that are given to the church are given to a local body. We believe in the priesthood of believers, right? So we believe that God has given the authority to the people of God, to the church. That's just our conviction. That's why we're Baptist. That's what distinguishes us from other uh, forms of reformed denominations out there. Uh, here's another one I just want to quickly touch on that I think we're, we probably, we're probably going to get to an episode of. Uh, I know you're still trying to figure this out here on this one, uh, cessationism. Most reformed churches, whether that be Presbyterian, Pado-Baptist, uh, Orthodox Reformed, uh, Particular Baptist, Reformed Baptist, are going to be cessationists. So uh, what that means is that they're going to believe that the sign gifts that we see in the New Testament have ceased. Not that every spiritual gift has ceased, but that the sign gift, they had a purpose. They pointed to something. Again, we can go to Scripture. I want to do an episode of that because I'm, I'm a committed, convicted cessationist. Now, that, that word has a lot of baggage. You know, right. when people, people hear cessationists, they say, oh, you don't believe in miracles. You don't believe in praying for the sick. You put God in a box. That is not what cessationism is. Now, there might be some people out there that call themselves cessationists that hold to that, but no, I believe in miracles. I, there's no way. I, I mean, I'm, 
I'm a reformed dude. I believe in big God theology. <laughs> How can I put God in a box? He can right. do whatever he wants. Right. I believe in, in miracles. I believe in praying for the sick. We pray for them at our church. We lay hands on people that they would get healed. We trust God. We leave it in his hands. Okay. What we mean by cessationism is that we are not going to, and I think you touched on this a little bit earlier, we are not going to just kind of freely allow people to do things in our churches that we see are contrary to Scripture. Green Reformed is, is holding to sola scriptura, Scripture alone. So yeah. that means that we believe in the Word of God. and This is God's Word. Anybody that comes and says, I have a word from the Lord, or thus saith the Lord, or I got something to say that God told me, we shut that off as Reformed Baptists because we're sola scriptura guys. This is what the Bible says, not what you say. Now, People are going to argue with that. We have friends that are even Calvinists that are that believe in, in the prophetic and so forth. We, we're not saying that they're not believers. We just have an issue there. We just this is where we kind of break off, right? right. Well, this is what distinguishes us as Reformed Baptists. Then even some Calvinistic Baptists, people like John Piper, people like Matt Chandler, who believe in speaking in tongues. As Reformed Baptists, we would say no. We, we hold to Sola Scriptura. They say they do too, but I think we're more consistent, right? I think we're, right. we're a little bit more consistent. I think, I think one way that I've heard it put uh, that I liked is that, is that okay, so uh, if someone came to you and said, hey, I have a word from the Lord, what you would say, and they told you what it was, if it lined up with Scripture, that's great, but why do you need it if you have the Scriptures? Right, yeah. So this is this is one of those— I, That was a John Owen quote. That, yeah, that, that was a John Owen, yeah. Doesn't that make sense, yeah. though? Yeah. I mean, if someone comes to you and says, I have a word from the Lord, and it's actual Scripture— but then all you need is yeah. the scripture. Right. I, I I don't see why you would need more than scripture. And of course, the scripture says don't add anything to this. Right. So uh, if if someone tells you that they have a word from the Lord, well then let's put it in scripture. Right. Exactly. You know, let's add so, to Revelation. Yeah. yeah let's exactly. let's not let's not do that. Yeah. Either it is God's I'm, word I'm, or it's yeah. not. It's it, it is. He, God is God is a God. He he does not lie. Again, right. I'm being facetious when I say let's add it to scripture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not, not being a heretic. Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying let's add. No, I'm yeah. not wanting to add that to scripture. It doesn't make sense. Right. Again, that there's that's a lot to get into. We, right. We, we, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. We'll do an episode on that and, and explain our point of view. Again, if you don't believe that, if you're not a cessationist, we have dear brothers. Love them contending for the faith that are not cessationists, that are continuationists. We're not saying they're heretics by any means. I just want to make that clear. Okay, uh, last one is, I think, and this is kind of not necessarily uh, one that you can point to in maybe in some of the confessions, but I think this is kind of what's derived when you believe in Reformed theology is that you believe in the doctrine of man and him being who he is, him being sinful. Him being uh, totally depraved. It kind of touches on Calvinism. But that kind of fleshes out in a lot of your other beliefs. And we would go to big God theology, right? So that's what it means to be Reformed. I like to use that word a lot when we talk about Reformed theology. It's basically big God theology. That God is in the heavens and he does what he pleases. Man is sinful. He cannot do what he pleases. Man is sinful. We can't trust his heart, right? The heart is is deceitfully wicked, right? Who Who can trust it? We cannot trust our heart. We cannot trust our own inclinations. We trust God. Yeah. yeah, I just added that, and I've always used this. This said, there's so many churches out there, like we say, that will want to bring God down to the equal status of man. Right. In fact, in some churches, that they'll even bring God lower than that because He's supposed to serve man in some capacity. But no, what we want to do, and what we hope people understand, we're doing is that we're lifting and exalting God to His rightful status. Right. As Lord of all. Yes. Right? He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. There is none like him. He is not like us. Right. We make a mistake when we start to think and bring him down to our level. Right. He is not like us. And, and we're so far separated. I think you make a, a huge point. 
before a person can even come to Christ, they need to acknowledge the fact that they're they're sinners in need of a Savior. Right. There's a lot of churches that don't teach uh, teach that. There's a lot of churches that teach there's so much value in you. You have right. so much to bring to the table. Yeah. You know what? This is something I will always buck against. You have nothing to offer Christ. Right. You have nothing to offer him. He is the one that brings everything. He's the one that, that, that makes salvation possible. We can't do it on our own. I can't walk across that bridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think somebody put that analogy out there. It's up to you to walk across the bridge. No, you know what? He's the one that lifts me up out of the, out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and sets my feet upon a rock. He's the one that, 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 that does the saving. And I think that's, that's an important distinctive uh, we need to recognize, though, yeah. that we can't. Yeah. That we can't do it. I'm, I, I love the way you put that. And, and the way this plays out in your church, in your churches, in our church anyway, is that you're going to see a lot of things that are different in our church than what you're used to seeing your typical CCM, uh, Contemporary Christian Music, TBN type uh, yeah. you know, uh, churches or uh, teachings or ministries. You're not going to see a lot of you got it in you, a lot of prosperity gospel. You know, the, the reason why is because we believe in big God, little man, big God, little man, right? So yeah. if, if God is big and God is for God, he's not necessarily for us, then we stop it there. So we can't teach you that you're great and, and God's purpose, sole purpose for existence, for being is to make sure that you're happy. No, he's for himself. He's for his own glory. God's for God. So God is for God. He's for his own glory. So this is going to flesh itself out in the way we do church and our teachings and our preaching. So you're going to come to Ecclesia and you're going to hear something a little different than you're typically used to hearing in your broader evangelical circles because they're not reformed and they don't teach big God theology. On the contrary, we would say it's kind of dangerous because they're teaching big man theology, that man is so special, that God's complete existence is so that you can be happy and so that you can carry on and so you can put a smile on your face and you're such a treasure that he couldn't have heaven without you that he had to send his son Jesus to to die on the cross he was he was recklessly in love with you and he just couldn't contain yeah. himself because he loved you so much because you were so special we don't do none of that yeah okay if, if god is for god if if god had a refrigerator your your picture would be, would be yeah exactly <laughs> be exactly posted yeah, on the refrigerator yeah, yeah. The, the truth of the matter is you know I was, I was i had to do a paper on this the other day and the question was is god fair my answer was god doesn't need to be fair he's himself he is who he is right right romans chapter 9 tackles some of that right people always want god to be who we think he is let's yeah. make god out of our own image no we were made out of his image we were made in the image of god he was not right. he is not made in the image of us and the problem is we want god to be everything that we want him to be. The fact is God can be whoever he wants himself to be. And he is who we see in the scriptures, a God that is for God, who is in the heaven, who does what he pleases, a God that is for his own glory. He does not have to get in line with us. We must get in line with him. Right. That is the difference with big God theology, with Reformed theology. The the way God reveals himself in Scripture is who God is. Exactly. Right? And so there's a lot of churches out there that don't hold to that, that they want to make uh, God some somebody different, someone they're they're used to. They want a, a God they can they can deal with. And so uh, as Reformed Baptists, we, we want the God of the Bible. Yes. We want God. Yeah. And that's and that that's the difference. We want the true and living God. Uh, to be in our presence, to be in our midst. When, when you come to worship at Ecclesia, you're coming to worship God yes. and exalt him, exalt his name. Yes. I'm, I'm not up there telling stories about how great I am. Right. Uh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would want, I would want to, you know. Or I get your, what your marriage is, your family is, yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Look, look at me. Look how shiny I am. You know what? 
you, you're you're a Cadillac, and you, you've got all <laughs> you've got all the options put you're on. Shiny, bro. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. I you know this has been a fun episode. Yeah, I, man, I think we need to end it there. We've been going a little long, but man, I hope. I hope that we kind of helped explain a little bit when we throw out the Reformed Baptist. I feel that we even confuse people even a little bit more. For I some think reason. I think we might have even like you guys didn't explain anything. Exactly. No, you know I don't. I think we did. There's so. there's okay. some distinctives that yeah. that make us uh, distinct from other other churches. Uh, yeah. Again, I want to go back to one little thing and just say this: I'm not saying, or we're not saying, that there's not Christians in other uh, yeah. other denominations. Yes. I, I think we we came to this, and I, I believe I was a Christian for. Quite a while right. before I came to this kind of understanding, right. the thief uh, on the cross was not a Reformed Baptist. <laughs> right. Good, yeah. good. I mean, uh, it, it took some time, right. but you know, I study my Bible. I don't. I don't just want to read it. I want to study it. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That is important for us. There's some people that all I need to do is read a, a verse or two each morning. No, I want to dig in and study, and so. Over time, that study has brought me to this place. Right. And so, um, you know, if that hurts somebody's feelings, uh, I, I, that's not my intent. Yeah. My intent is only to tell you, you know, why we're Reformed Baptists and how we got here. Yeah. And so the question was asked, why do you why do you keep saying Reformed Baptists? We're trying to answer that question. Right. And I, I think it just goes back to the fact that we look at the Reformers, we look at, at them searching for the truth, right. which is all we're doing, searching for what's really true. We're convicted from Scripture. Right. So this is exactly. why we land where we land. We're convicted from Scripture that this is what is taught. Uh, but again, I like how you, that's a great place to end it. We want to end it with, with that. We're not being, we don't want to be divisive. There are plenty of great, strong, man, stronger brothers than me in the faith that hold to other views, man. They're, they might be Arminian. They might be um, Pato Baptist. They might be non-denominational Bible guys. I don't know. But they love the Lord just as much as I do and you do. Yeah. You know, and they're they're convicted in the faith that they're, they're servants of the Lord. They've given up their life to follow Christ. I mean, by no means are we saying that, oh, well, you're not a Reformed Baptist, you're not a believer. We're not saying that whatsoever. We just wanted to get on here and say these are our convictions. Yeah. This is what we believe from Scripture. And again, just to quickly summarize, Reformed Baptist is just a Baptist that holds the teachings that come from the Protestant Reformation. I think that's kind of the simplest yeah. way to put it. So, sister, you got your answer now? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> She's probably going to ask me another question. Yeah, I'm sure they will. But if you do have another question, make sure yeah. you hit us up yeah. on the uh, Facebook. Uh, you can go to Facebook and just search SolarCast, or you can right. go to the website, thesolarcast.com, or you can find us on Twitter. You're at? <laughs> at Los Jimmy. And I'm at chernandez214. And then the SolarCast Twitter is? At Sola underscore cast. Right. And don't forget to uh, invite a friend. If you live in the Dallas area, come visit us. We're at 1819 Singleton Boulevard. Uh, there we are every Sunday at 1030 a.m. Just come visit us. We'd love to have you. Right. Do you have something else? No, that's it. All right. All right. I think Until we next everything. time. Let's get to the meat. Let's do it. Okay. I just made this beat right now. I'm MC Goya. Okay, Listen. I'm on the ground like El Chapo in a tunnel, eating about 12 tacos. I'll put you in a box like a gato. Punchline stay in my mouth like Mr. Sacco. Jay thinks he runs Christian hip-hop. He wears white socks when he wears his flip-flops. And he looks like Suge Knight. I put him in a chokehold and say goodnight. It's not music but clothes that he started. I can find better shirts in a flea market. Okay, Google, who's the best rapper? Goya, rapping graces full of slackers. 